0: Welcome, Sarepta family, to the Blackman Garden. Let's just open in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this Good Friday day, that we can celebrate you, we can celebrate your death. We can look today, and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would show us Jesus, and Him crucified. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Jesus was born today. In Matthew chapter 1, Joseph is being told that uh, Mary would bear a son. And it says, You shall call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So Jesus was born to die. Somebody said, The Son of Man hanging on a cross for the sins of mankind is the greatest and most compelling act of love that this world. Has ever seen. Just going to read a few scriptures. One John chapter three verse sixteen, reading from the Amplified version. By this we know, and have come to understand the depth and the essence of His precious love, that He willingly laid down His life because He loved us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the believers. And then John. 1 John chapter 4, reading from verse 7 to 10. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this the love of God was made manifest amongst us, that God sent His only Son into the world, so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. This holy God, this God who is known as a God of love, the essence of who He is, is love. And it was because of His love for us that He sent His Son. In Romans chapter 2, verse 4, it says, God's kindness leads men to repentance. As we manifest the loving kindness of God to others, they can have an encounter with the living God, their creator. I want to look at what this day looked like in AD 33. Maybe it's the 10th of April, AD 33. And I'm going to go through that day. Remember the Jewish day begins in the evening. And so Jesus is in the garden. He's in the garden of Gethsemane. He's praying to his father. He's having some intimate, quiet time with his father as he's looking at what he's about to do. His disciples... Being told to watch and pray and they've fallen asleep a number of occasions and jesus is pouring his heart and his soul that the, go- the will of god would be done then there's uh, some noises and he looks up and torches hushed and voices signal the arrest parties arrive. just portrays jesus with a kiss the soldiers and the servants of the sanhedrin who come to arrest him Surround Jesus, and Peter, flushed with anger, pulls out a sword, lunges at the nearest Jesus, and cuts one of the servant's ears off. But in this time, Jesus puts his hands on his ears, and he heals him. The next part, Jesus is led to the house of Annas, a former high priest, who interrogates Jesus about his teaching. Jesus gives him nothing. In frustration, Annas sends him to Caiaphas, the current high priest, his son-in-law. At Caiaphas's house, the trial gets underway. It's, it's, it's rushed. It's a, it's a quick trial. Morning is coming fast, and they want to have a guilty verdict before daybreak. The examination proceeds as blurry-eyed Sanhedrin members continue to file in. The trial has been assembled hastily. And the witnesses haven't been screened at all. Their testimonies don't line up. Jesus is still silent as a lamb. And then Caiaphas asks him this question. He says, he asks Jesus if he is the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus says to him, you have said so. But I tell you, from now on, you'll see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power. And coming on the clouds of heaven. To this Caiaphas rinses his clothes. And he cries out, blasphemy. me. What more testimony we do, do we need than this? He claiming to be the Son of God. As sun breaks over Jerusalem, Judas commits suicide. Peter writhes in his own grief at his denial of his failure. Jesus face a streak of dry blood and saliva from the pre-dawn sport of temple police. The council's verdict, guilty of blasphemy, their sentence is death. But it is a sentence they cannot carry out. They are under Roman rule. And so he has to be brought to to, to the governor. And Pilate, throughout, this the inquisition of him says, that, says these words, I find no guilt in this man. A game of chess ensues between Pilate and the Sanhedrins, neither, re- re- neither realizing that they are, are pawns in a bigger game. They are not kings and rulers that they think they are. Pilate makes a move. As a Galilean, Jesus would fall under Herod Antipas, under the jurisdiction of Herod the Antipas. And so he said, let let, let Herod judge. Herod initially receives Jesus, happily hoping to receive a miracle. Jesus refused to entertain or to respond. And so Jesus returned back to Pilate. Pilate makes another move. He offers to release Jesus as this year's annual Passover pardon prisoner. But the Sanhedrin and the crowd cry out, not this man, but Barabbas. They want to release Barabbas. Pilate is astounded. They prefer a thief and a murderer to this peasant prophet. Pilate tries another move. He has Jesus severely flogged and humiliated hoping to curb the council's bloodthirst. Again, this move is blocked Metzel insists that he must be crucified because he has made himself the son of God. Pilate's fears grow. Jesus' divine claim could, be th- could threaten rock. In John 19, verse 12, it says, From then on Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king Opposes Caesar. The council had Pilate where they wanted him. Horned. Checkmate so to speak. So fallen Jews and Gentiles and spiritual powers. Unwittingly collaborate. In executing the only innocent death. That could possibly grant. The guilty life. Morning rains as Jesus stumbles out. Of the Praetorium. Horribly beaten and bleeding profusely. The Roman soldiers have been brutal in their creative cruelty. Thorns have ripped Jesus' scalp and his back is one grotesque oozing wound. (laughs) Golgotha is just a short while away. But Jesus has no strength to manage the crossbar. Simon of Cyrene has dropped it in from the crowd. Twenty minutes later, Jesus is hanging in sheer agony on one of the cruelest instruments ever devised. Nails have been driven through his wrists. A sign above Jesus declares in Greek, Latin, and Aramaic, the king of the Jews. The king is flanked on either side by thieves, and around him are gawkers and mockers, looking at him, saying, Let him save himself, if he is the Christ of of God. His chosen one, one dying thief, even joins in the derision. They do not understand that if the king saves himself, the only hope, hope for salvation is lost. Jesus asks his father to forgive him. The other crucified sees Christ as a Messiah. And a mutilated man standing before him. And he asks the Messiah to remember him. Jesus' prayer is being answered. Hundreds of millions will follow. In mid after, it's mid-afternoon now, and airy darkness has fallen on everyone, and everyone is on edge. But for Jesus, the darkness is a horror he has never known. This, more than the nails and the thorns and the lashings, is what made him sweat blood in the garden. The Father's wrath is hitting him in full force. He is in, the mo- in that moment no longer the blessed, but the cursed. He has become sin. In terrifying isolation, cut off from his father and all humans, he screams, Eli, Eli, Lima Sashtani. Aramaic for my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? No greater love, humility, or obedience has ever or will be ever displayed. Shortly after three o'clock in the afternoon, Jesus whispers for a drink. In love, he has drained the cup of his father's wrath to the dregs. He has borne our full curse. There's no debt left for him to pay. And he has nothing left to give. The wine moistens his mouth just enough for him to say one final word. It is finished. And God the Son gives up his life and dies it's the worst and best of all human deaths for on this tree he bears our sins in his body the righteous one for the unrighteous that he might bring us to god and now it is finished now on to the two about irony on this darkest day is that the men who step forward to claim the corpse of christ for the burial are not his family are not his disciples they are members of the Sanhedrin, Joseph of Arimathea, and Nicodemus. It is one of the most unexpected threads of growth woven into a tapestry of redemption. They quickly wrap Jesus' body in a sheet and lay it in a nearby tomb. Evening is falling, and they don't have time to fully dress it with slices. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of, of Jesus, accompany them, careful to note the tomb's location. They plan to return with more spices after Sabbath, on the first day of the week, to make sure that it is finished. This is what love looked like on that day. Jesus becoming the Lamb God, who took away your sin and my sin. He was abandoned. He was rejected. He was denied. He was beaten. He was punished. He was falsely accused. He was mocked. He was separated. He was killed. And He did that for you and for me while we were His enemies. So one of the questions we probably need to ask and look at today is who put Jesus on the cross? We see Him from the story as we've done a brief synopsis of what happened on, the, on, the, on that day. We've seen the people involved. We've seen the religious leaders of the day who wanted Jesus out of the way. We see the the Roman authorities. We see Pilate and the Roman soldiers all playing a role. And maybe from behind the scenes, which you don't see from the scriptures, we see some demonic forces which are cajoling the crowds. We see... Those all had a had a part to play in Jesus' death. Yes, the Roman soldiers actually put Jesus on the cross. But probably more than all those people involved in those in that day, it's your sin, and my sin that put him on the cross. Ultimately, at the end, it was God's love. It was because God so loved us that he sent his son to die for us. Who would ever have dreamed A Roman cross, one of the worst, most fearsome devices of torture ever devised, would become a symbol of the greatest love ever expressed. For God so loved us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, and saved us from the wrath of God. What a story! What a love! What should our response be to this love? Turning to Acts chapter 2, we see Peter preaching after the upper room, after they've been filled with the Holy Spirit. And he's preaching. He preaches a sermon about how Israel had crucified the Christ. And In Acts 2 verse 36 it says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to their hearts and said to Peter, and the rest of the apostles. Brothers. What shall we do? And Peter said to them. Repent. And be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. For the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive. The gift. Of the Holy Spirit. So today our response to this great love is repentance. Our response to the great love. Is to declare, to declare. That Jesus. Is our Lord. And our Savior. Let us pray. Heavenly Father. We thank you for the gift of Jesus. And Lord today we repent of our sins. We acknowledge acknowledge today. That we each turn to our own way. And so we turn from our sins. And we turn to you. We confess you as our Lord and our Savior. We remember your death your burial and resurrection. We thank you that on the cross you took our sins upon yourself and you gave us your righteousness. We thank you on the cross you paid for us. We thank you that we were crucified with you. And we thank you that the life we now live in the flesh, we live by the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. We want to follow you today. And so we worship you, and we might know, and that we might know the crucified Christ.